Hey everybody, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast. I am Jeremy, the host of the National Fire Radio channel. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time listening to the podcast channel, welcome. If you've been here before, we appreciate your continued support and listening. And trust me, we do appreciate you being a part of the National Fire Radio community. This week, April 3rd, 2023 is an exciting time for us. April this year is a big month for us. And we're going to get into a few of those things as the weeks tick on this month. But right now, Tuesday, and going forward on every Tuesday, will be a brand new podcast called The Size Up by National Fire Radio. The Size Up is hosted by our friend Robert Paparo. We call him Pip. You know him. He's the little guy with the mohawk. He's a rock star. He's a dear friend of ours. And he's bringing forth something new. So how about this? Give a listen to what The Size Up is all about. The Size Up by National Fire Radio is a lifestyle podcast hosted by Robert Pip Paparo. Pip has been involved in the emergency services for close to 30 years, and over that time, he's learned how much your lifestyle off the job can correlate directly to your ability to do the job. Episodes of The Size Up by National Fire Radio will focus on just that. Those different factors that you can control so you're prepared when the time comes that you aren't in control. Pip's guests will come from a variety of fields and have an expertise on topics not normally dove into on the National Fire Radio platform. So sit back, relax, throw in your earbuds, and ask yourself, what's my personal size up? I love it, Lily. Thank you for that. What a great intro into what the size up is all about. Launching April 4th, Pip throws it out there with his first guest on the size up, and that is moi, me. I am his first guest. It's going to be a killer discussion. We've already recorded it, and I know for a fact it's going to bring tremendous value. So I'm looking forward to the size up. That's going to be once a week, every Tuesday. The size up will be on the National Fire Radio channel. Check him out over on social media as well, the size up, as well as thanks for tuning in. And the only way we can do this, the only way we can push this job forward together is if we get the partners involved. And the partners are our sponsors. So do me a favor, sit back and give a listen to some of the sponsors who allow us to do what we do. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew from Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing metal helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 metal fronts in the market, they are a leader in the metal helmet front space. Their creativity, as well as customer service, sets them apart from the competition. They are manufacturing one-offs within 24 to 48 hours to ship to your door. Not only that, but head over to taylorstins.com and you'll see all the other products that they offer. Right now on their homepage, they have a whole page dedicated to vintage metal prints. It's so cool to see the original prints of the fire apparatus, fire hydrants, fire helmets, fire boots, flashlights. It's so cool. They are printed metal tins that hang on the wall that are aged and look to be from the original days of when these prints were drawn, looking for copyright and trademarks. It's really cool. Taylor and his crew are super creative. They're always pushing the envelope as to what products they offer to the fire service. Check them out at www.taylorstins.com. That's again, taylorstins.com to get a hold of Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. This episode's brought to you by the 2448 Podcast. If you're a first responder with an entrepreneurial streak, check out the 2448 Podcast. 
hosted by Sam Massa, who built lighting company Hi-Viz LEDs. During his off time, he serves as a volunteer firefighter and professional EMT. Each week, we tell the stories of different first responder-owned businesses, from small startups to food trucks to companies like National Fire Radio and Fire Department Coffee. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts, go to the2448.com for more information. That's www.the2448.com for more information about this killer podcast. And if you're coming FDIC this year, join us in booth 13073, right by the entrance in the main hallway where National Fire Radio, yes, us, in conjunction with the 2448 podcast, will be teamed up for live shows throughout the duration of FDIC. It's going to be a killer week out in Indy. Join us at booth 13073 right in the main hallway where you come right into the convention center. We're going to be right there live broadcasting throughout the week. Come see us. Guys, thanks for checking it out. Check out the 2448 podcast. And now without further ado, the daily episode. Hey everybody, Jeremy, National Fire Radio. We're back on the podcast today. Today's going to be a very special episode. Uh, I am very much looking forward to talking with my guest today about the foundation that he now runs, as well as his career and everything that led up to where he is today in his life. I'm talking with today retired Captain Bill Lavin out of the Elizabeth, New Jersey Fire Department. Bill, thanks for joining me, brother. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's a pleasure. Well, yeah, and so truth be told, I know nothing about you other than the last five, ten-minute conversation we had prior to leading up to this podcast, but I do know uh, and had the ability to meet you through a mutual acquaintance, and uh, and if it comes from him, then you know what? Let's go. It's that easy, and, uh, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the fire service. When you have trusted people and they recommend or talk about somebody or they say, hey, this is a good friend of mine, you should meet him, I mean, that's a solid win for all of us, no? Yeah, absolutely. My buddies from Boston, uh, you know, <laughs> absolutely. They're, uh, they're, they're great folks and, um, uh, have done a lot of work with me and, you know, we bust each other about being from uh, Yankee country or Berlin country or Red Sox and it's all good. Red Sox, Yankees. I get it. It's, it's just yeah. the, the fact of life in the Northeast. Well, let's break this down real quick. So, uh, retired in 2014 after 26 years, you retired as a captain with Elizabeth, New Jersey, uh, fire department. Elizabeth is right across the river from lower Manhattan, if you will. Right. Staten Island area, like in between. Yeah. yeah so yeah, right across. Yep. yep. So it's a busy, it's a busy urban center department, if you will. Um, before, you know, during your career, 11 years as your local union rep for Elizabeth, 16 years, you decided to take it further. 16 years, you were the state president of the New Jersey FMBA, which is the, the union and local for, uh, 5,500 members strong. And you sat at the helm of that for 16 years. So you were very much involved in protecting our brothers and sisters, protecting the integrity of the job and being in love with the job. Talk to me a little bit about how that all came to be. Yeah, yeah. So I came on uh, a little older. I was 30 years old. My dad was a firefighter. I have two brothers that are on the job. I'm from a big family, uh, civil service. I have a brother that's a police officer. So um, so I came on and uh, looking forward to a nice, you know, long career, uneventful. And then nine months later, I was laid off, wow. um, you know, in, in, a, in a political you know, situation there where, you know, for three and a half months, you didn't know whether you were coming back. So got very interested in what the future held for me, whether I was going to be coming back or what my local reps were doing to, you know, 
keep us on the job. Sure. And being vocal, the next thing I know, uh, I got I got elected to the to the uh, president's <laughs> job there, and and everything from there just kind of went forward. And uh, being a little bit older, uh, coming on, it, it wasn't like you know I didn't have a few life experiences, so um, I got involved, and it was out of you know necessity. And then, you know, really enjoyed going to the state meetings and interacting with other guys and. Next thing I know, you know, at a fairly young age, um, I, I was involved on the state level and dealing with, um, you know, legislators and, you know, mayors throughout the state and, and governors. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it went from there. Well, that was the time, too, uh, back. I mean, I know it was late 80s when you were laid off and then the early 90s. I mean, there was a lot of turmoil with uh, municipalities, government, right, unions. So I'm sure your hands were full along the along the way. Yeah, there was, you know, uh, there was things, you know, dealing with the pension and and having the municipalities contribute to it and pension holidays and, you know, and it, uh, somehow along the line, it eventually, uh, not to get into any names, but, you know, one particular governor thought to make the enemy, you know, civil servants, police, right. fire, teachers. And so I, you know, took it head on, uh, took it very personal, w- way too personal. And... Uh, you know, got mired in this, uh, you know, th- th- this battle for what I was, you know, good versus evil staffing yeah. and pensions and health benefits and all that, you know, and in the mix there was, was nine eleven, And then after nine eleven happened and, uh, the singular moment in, in my career, you know, being right across the river, we lost so many good, uh, brothers and, uh, yeah. from the FDNY, um, you know, we started to try to support them and, and, and that, takes its emotional toll on me. So, you know, over time I was getting, you know, frustrated with the, with the politics and uh, just the, you know, the rigors of the job. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, that makes perfect, perfect sense for sure. I know though, you said to me earlier, you said a lot of what you looked forward to was getting back to the firehouse though, right? Through all your, through all your duties as a union president, as while you're out there, playing that political machine and battling with, you know, government and, and making agreements and, and, uh, and deals and so on to, for, for the protection of your own, your solace was back at the firehouse, right? Exactly. You know, we had the option of not, you know, having a a full release from the, from doing fire duty, but as a younger guy getting involved, I thought number one, geez, I came on the job to be a firefighter. And I also thought, listen, if I'm going to be, arguing and debating how the job should be done. I should be doing the job. Right. Right. So I chose to continue to, to do my shifts. And let me tell you something. It was my oasis. So uh, I I used to joke that it was safer in the firehouse than being with, you know, some of the the folks in the state house, you know, where, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, we had some special names, but um, I won't go into that, you know, but it was, it was my place to be with the guys, whether we're, you know, cooking meals and, you know, they were some my support team or training or, or going to, going to work, going to fires. And, um, I looked forward to that, to that, you know, that, that shift. And, uh, I used to tell, tell people, Hey, tell them, look, I'm unavailable. And it, and it, it gave me the break and it, it really grounded me to, uh, to be able to represent them the best, the best possible way I could. Yeah. Uh, that's strong. I mean, and, and that's what you got to be. I mean, that's like a, a good chief. A good chief is still in the trenches with his men and women to know what they need, what they want, 
you know, and so on. And uh, when you have that disconnect, how can you fight for what's needed if you're not there yourself? So it's admirable, brother. I, I, I get that completely. How was retirement for you? Was that hard for you? 26 years to walk away? Well, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I'd miss, you know, certainly miss the guys, but I had, and we'll get into the, yes. the where angels play. I yes. had something that, that was pulling me in a different direction. And, um, and that is where angels play. I, you know, I found my calling. My initial thought was at one time, okay, well, firefighting is, is what I'm meant to do or why I was, you know, why I was born to do. And then, okay, well, maybe it was the union. And that's what my calling was. And then I realized that all of that was preparing me to do this really blessed um, foundation, which is where angels play. Yeah. And, uh, so let's let's talk about this, because this is certainly something that has consumed you um, as a person and who you are and what you do in life. Um, you're giving back after the retirement out of Elizabeth and all your service to the firefighters in the state of New Jersey and the, and the guys and girls in, in Elizabeth fire department, you're now running and you have, uh, founded and now you run a foundation where angels play foundation, which is building playgrounds in memory of those through tragedy. Correct. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So give me and, a little uh, background. Where does, where did it come from, Bill? Like, give me the backstory as to where angels play, uh, began in your world. And then, you know, and then we'll, we'll take right. it forward. Well, it does. It goes back to, I mean, we mentioned nine 11, it's yeah. being really, you know, the, the singular moment where we were all trying to respond. I mean, I actually took up the bagpipes at one time because we were asked, uh, that the FDNY guys uh, bagpipe team was getting so burnt out. They were going to so many funerals. It was so sad and tragic that, you know, we had groups that were, um, you know, learning how to do the bagpipe so we could fill in and, and help out in, in that regard. Uh, it was a horrible time. It was a horrible time for the country. And, uh, you know, we were trying to figure our way through. So yeah. during that, difficult time we got cards and letters from a little third grade class in bay st louis mississippi and that was because their teacher was the niece of one of our fire captains so we hung them on the wall it, you know we didn't think a ton about it it cheered us up but you know we had to go back to doing our our work now four years later after that uh, we were watching the news and hurricane katrina devastates the gulf coast right and hits mississippi really hard and we were wondering how these children made out that had reached out to us and how their families were. Yeah. And, and we found, you know, did a little research and found out that there's, you know, many had lost parents and their school was completely destroyed. So our group at the time I was involved with the, uh, I was the president of the FMBA and our group with our large membership, we were able to raise about $400,000 wow. and partnered with a, uh, yeah, with a with a team called uh, Save the Children. Yeah, and sent that to to them, and they do great work with uh, with kids. And then we were invited down to tour the area, and this is where the playgrounds start because when we met with the the teachers of the school of North Bay Elementary School, which by the way had been leveled, mm. and uh, they were going to school in tents and using you know porta johns for bathrooms. Uh, we said, geez, what, what do you need? This was six months after the storm, by the way. Yeah. And we said, well, what do you need? And then they said, well, the kids have no place to play. While their moms and dads were fighting with FEMA and insurance companies, the kids got to be kids. They need a place to play. They just need some normalcy. 
so we came down uh, first the first time with 20, the second time with 40 guys, and built three of the first handicap accessible playgrounds in the in the history of that state. Wow! And we're very proud of it. It was very cathartic. The kids sang to us, and it was you know it was it was a cool moment. Now yeah. we go back from that wonderful moment, and again now the after 9/11, the economy really really turned and. and uh, you know, there were layoffs and, you know, we're battling with, with, uh, you know, the government, local government, state governments. And I started to become really, um, you know, jaded and, you know, feeling sorry for myself and things, you know, that typical banging on the table, uh, labor guy. Right. And, uh, and then, uh, hurricane Sandy hits New Jersey and New York and does a job. Right. So now we're trying to recover. We're sending people, our members were adopting uh, shore communities, trying to rebuild, and that was taking its toll. So, again, you know, you know, we're we're I'm at the lowest, or at least I thought. Now, a couple things you should know: I'm I'm one of eleven children. I have great family, brothers and sisters. I have great parents. I have a great wife, great kids. Now, great great uh, grandchildren, and it was. I had a beautiful life, but I was miserable because I was taking everything personal. Yeah. I was not, you know, I didn't know I had a beautiful life, right? So on December 14th, 2012, the tragedy of Sandy Hook, where these little beautiful lives were taken in a shooting at, at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. And um, I could remember like being embarrassed and feeling like, oh my God, this is like, this is a problem. Like I've never had a problem as compared to what is going on here. And at that point, I I thought to myself, you know, what could we possibly do to make a difference for these, for these families? And um, I got my answer three days later. There was a video of the kids from Mississippi, nothing about, they weren't talking about Newtown yet, because this was a a video that was a few days old. Yeah. And it basically said, hey, um, we remember the playground you built us, but now we heard you have your hurricane. And so those kids decided, that whole community, to collect Christmas gifts and send them to kids in New Jersey as a pay it forward. So now we're paying it forward. So when I saw that video... I thought to myself, that's what I, maybe I got to get back to building playgrounds. Mm. So the, the idea, which wasn't completely formed, I thought, what if we built a playground for each one of the children and the teachers from Sandy Hook and celebrate how they lived versus everybody was focused on guns and yeah. violence. Yep. And, and, but we, we wanted to celebrate the children, their favorite color, their favorite sport, their sure. favorite cartoon character, and bring their, and, and, it, and it worked. And that's how it began. Uh, we reached out to the families and not one or 10 or, or 15, but all 26 of those beautiful families trusted us enough to build the playground to honor and celebrate the life of their, their angel. And that's where where angels play was born. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here listening to all this and it's amazing how through your own journey, right? I have it written down, take it personal. You, you had said that several times now. And I think that that stems very early on in your firefighting career that, you know, when you got laid off, you took it personally. And then that's why you got involved with the unions to protect the fire department. And then to take it forward after retirement, you took it personal again. You're watching tragedy unfold. 
and you're a doer, right? And so it was like, how do I affect change? How can I make this better, right? You had a good life. You have a good family, you know, and all of that. And, and I think so many of us feel that. But the fact that you acted is powerful. And if you look at what you've been able to do with that, from building a, a playground for the Hurricane Katrina, you know, kids who don't know anything different, right? They live through tragedy and all they, and, and the teachers who are teaching in tents and porta johns and all that stuff, but they still want normalcy for their kids in, in a playground. And you stepped in to be able to do that. And then for them to pay that forward, brother, that is yeah. huge. Well, well, let me say this and, and you know, and it, this isn't false humility or anything, but this is the most, selfish project that i've ever been involved with i get that talk about that yeah and anybody who who works with us you know people we don't even know why the families thank us because we get far more out of it like to than than we ever give i mean it's a joy it's it's a pleasure to first of all you know how you, you go to the firehouse and you know, guys get together and if you get a job, it brings everybody together and you're working and it's a team. And so it, this, these playgrounds were, who are built, you know, primarily by a lot of retired and active sure. firefighters. It gives us for the retired guys, especially a chance to be with their brothers or sisters and work on a project that, you know, is, is for the greater good. It's like a firehouse without the fires. Yeah. Like you, you get to be, you get to bust each other's chops. You know, you get to kid with people, and, but you get to work as a team. And at the end of the day, when the when it's finished and the kids run onto the onto the surface, and you watch the family shed tears of joy, it, it's it's a rush. You know, it's it's like each one is like a Super Bowl win. You know, and you feel you feel wonderful. Like today, we we cut the ribbon on on number sixty in Hamilton, New Jersey, last night. Congratulations, yeah. that's wonderful. Thank, yeah, yeah, thank you. But but you know, then you have an emotional hangover. You're like, okay, when, when can I do the next one? So it's really like when, when and I mean this in the best way uh, that that it's a selfish project. It, it makes like it's rewarding beyond you know. It's cathartic. I get like it. I, said, I get it. You know, when when my mom said, "Throw your problems in a pile with everyone else's." and fight to get your back. You're standing next to a family that lost a little boy and is trying to make some and, and raise their kids and keep his legacy alive. And we're giving them a place to go on his birthday on a special day. And there's, there's nothing, you know, this simple thing about you learn when you're in kindergarten, it's better to give than to receive. Yeah, man, this is that on steroids. Because it, it is, if you, if you're focused on doing this, I don't have time to, well, I still complain and, you know, don't get me wrong, but you don't, you don't have a ton of time to think about how bad your life is. If you're trying to, you know, lift somebody else up. And if you get down the guy next to you with the, you know, trying to help you put a deck on or put a roof on one of these things, it's, it's one of the coolest things. Um, And and I get to give this interview with you, Jeremy. Yeah. But I stand, I stand on the shoulders you know, my daughter and wife who helped me run it and all the volunteers that actually do the hundred you know, percent. I do some work, but I, I, I don't, I shouldn't get any credit for, for all the ton of work that these guys do, but I'm thrilled to speak about it and tell the story, you know? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Right. And we were chatting about this before, before we hit the record button and, and it should be said that, you know, through all of this, right. It is a selfish endeavor for yourself, but, but it is, it's done in a way 
that that is, you know, you, you had, you, let me back up. You made a mention earlier about, you know, we were talking about the struggles of the fire ground. And when you put somebody in an ambulance after making a grab or hurt, helping somebody on a fire scene, you put them in an ambulance and they leave. That's the end of it. You don't see, you don't see what happens after the fact, right? You know that you did the very best you could, but you don't get to see the after effect of what you did on the fire scene, right? Whereas this, you are responding to tragedy and you're able to put together a plan, implement that plan, execute on it, and you get to see the return. And that return is so incredibly powerful, right? I mean, some of these families, they have gone through unspeakable tragedy, that they couldn't fathom that morning they woke up, that anything like that could happen in their world, and their world comes crashing down. And to have an organization that's there to help them get back a little piece of normalcy or a little a little piece of, of you know, support uh, or condolence, I, it just goes a very, very long way. It's super powerful. Yeah, there's no question. And I'll be honest with you. When we started this, it was an idea. Yeah. Maybe it would be be helpful. This was something that, you know, I was going to be able to process, you know, my guilt or my grief or my, you know, whatever. And, and I think it was after playground number four and it was for Dylan Hockley. Dylan was a, a, a little autistic guy that was killed in the, in the Sandy hook shooting Mm. and his dad, Ian, who, who Ian actually helped me, connect with a lot of the other families and you know was a reason why we were able to to move this thing forward great guy and he six months after we built the playground for dylan he texted me and said hey today is dylan's birthday wow and i didn't know whether to go to church or to yeah. go to this graveyard or, or what to do instead i went to his playground and when i got there there were 30 children laughing playing joyful sounds he said i felt my i felt dylan there and i felt the fact that he was responsible for this and it gave me he said thanks for giving me a place of joy to go on my my son's birthday and that that's a thing think about that what <laughs> where do you go on a day uh, uh, an anniversary or an angel anniversary, the day that your child uh, unfortunately uh, left this earth and uh, what do you do on that day and here, here's somebody who chose to, to go and watch other kids play and it gave them some peace. And that little thing, then we said, whoa, maybe we're, we're really onto something here. You know, yeah. this is, this is, I, I didn't, I'm not smart enough to come up with this, the way this thing evolved. <laughs> it, it really, it really came together and we watched and we added some things and, you know, it became, and it's become our life. You know, it's become a really cool thing. If I could tell you that, uh, you know, with the, and we all know, like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, we're losing guys to, to depression and suicide yeah, right. and not taking care of themselves to the job. And, and the, and the country is divided, right? It's a difficult time. Sure is. Uh, we, we, and, and so we had to wait uh, for COVID, but we, one of our projects, which I thought was if the nation could see if, if the, if the news could focus on something like this. So in the middle of, Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter and the left and the right and the country is almost like breaking at the seams with civil unrest. We built a playground for uh, DJ Simmons. DJ Simmons was a police officer who um, gave his life and in the wake of the Boston Marathon Mm. and he died from his injuries. He, He happened to be a black police officer. So we're in a communion, uh, a community, Randolph, Massachusetts, right. very diverse community. We had, we had uh, uh, recruits, about a hundred, come from Boston to Randolph. That was his hometown, 
and uh, some black, some white, some Asian, some male, some female, some Hispanic, and in, in, a, in a like a joyful uh, working together in the height of all this turmoil nonsense for lack of a better word and unrest and we were able to it was it, it was a commercial for what we can do you know as a society and have everybody come together because you know we didn't we didn't take a stand on any of the political things that you argue argue about at the local gin mill right we we, we stayed away from that we focused on on the legacy of a young man or a young child or a, a person that we wanted to celebrate. And it lifted us all up. This episode's brought to you by Fast Rescue Solutions. Fast Rescue Solutions was created with the mission to develop products and training that surpass currently accepted industry standards and that meet the operational challenges of the real world. Their vision is, always has been, and always will be to revolutionize rescue and save lives. Fulfilling both the mission and the vision, the Fastboard is a disruptive technology in rescue. Invented by 28-year Philadelphia firefighter Eric Allen with over 20 years in the Philadelphia Fire Department Special Operations Command. He is a game changer. His crew is game-changing victim in firefighter rescue and survival. The national average time for rescuing a downed firefighter is 15 to 20 minutes using five or more people. The fast board has the ability to reduce that time to five minutes or less using only two or three members. That is 500 times faster than the national average. Originally designed to get down firefighters out of a basement, the fast board has been proven effective in nearly every rescue scenario. RIT can find space, trench, ice, and water rescue, hazmat, mass casualty, and the list goes on and on. Its simplicity and versatility make it a game changer. For a virtual demo or more information, visit their website at www.fastrescuesolutions.com and tell the crew you heard about them on the National Fire Radio channel. Eric and his crew at Fast Rescue Solutions have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. Check them out. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, well, it goes right in line with... What, pretty simple. Yeah, it goes right in line with what the theme is today, triumph over tragedy, right? Yeah. You can yeah. bring, you know, over tragedy is when we can bring people together and do something about something, right? And and that that is what matters. And it takes somebody to be that catalyst. It takes somebody or an organization that recognizes that. And we turn a blind eye to everything else. We turn everything else off and put our focus on what the mission is at hand. And if that's supporting a fallen, you know, police officer or, you know, a, a fallen children that fell victim to, you know, circumstance. I mean, these are things that you're doing. It's incredible. Talk to me a little bit about, there's a, there's a word that I wrote down on my notepad that is very powerful. I underlined it a couple times, circled it, trust. There's tremendous amount of trust that has to be instilled into um, you and your organization. These, these, a lot of times are parents that are allowing you to represent and recognize their tragedies, right? Their, their, uh, yeah, sorrow. Yeah. And, and so talk to me a little bit about how powerful that word is for you. Yeah, that, that is really central to what we do. So imagine it mo in all cases, uh, you know, I'm a complete stranger and, uh, you, 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 you connect with somebody puts us in touch with a family that has a, a has lost a child. And I'm, I say to them that, listen, we, we would at no cost to you, 
and we're going to handle everything and it's going to be your project and we are going to you're going to be in control and you need to trust us that you know we're going to do this in a respectful appropriate manner that doesn't exploit the the tragedy in the case of of, of sandy hook you're going to be in control and we're going to make a, a beautiful project here and and we've seen it work and so they you know i, I think they look at us and okay you're going to do what and you're going to raise the money and you're going to figure this out and they think okay well what's in it for you you know what's what's you yeah, know what's right. the, what's the trick here what's the angle yeah what's the angle and and, and at the so we under promise over deliver yeah and at the end of it you know it, it, they're the, the, these families and if i could just say something about the families that these these are the um in every case the, the i don't know why um you know everybody struggles this when you talk about god and why do bad things happen to good people like why do these tragedies have to happen why mm. do you know little kids have to leave us in, in this manner and and uh i don't know the answer to that but one of the byproducts of it and and i and i thought well maybe part of it is that we get to witness the grace and strength you talk about strength and bravery and courage with the fire service right yeah. but you, you you talk about families who get up every morning and put one foot in front of the other and find a way to continue to either raise the, their surviving children in the wake of a tragedy and and be graceful and strong and inspire others and in most cases because they'll they'll tell me well we have two options one i could crawl up in a ball be mad at the world and never function ever again or i can take my tragedy and i can do something with the legacy of my child and either make a program to help uh, kids social emotional learning and choose love to to have uh, you know, a, a triathlon program where kids learn how to to be athletes sure. or to help rescue animals. There's so many beautiful foundations. And that's, you know, it, it's just the beauty of that. And those families are just so remarkable. So, uh, again, the lesson to us is, geez, if these folks can do that with what they've had to deal with, you know, how much how much easier or how much better could I potentially handle things yeah, 100%. if I haven't had that? And not, you know, listen, <clears throat> let's be clear. No, nobody wants to, to walk uh, the journey that these, these families have, but um, those that have, boy, they, they, they inspire us incredibly. Perspective, right? I mean, you know, we get wrapped up in our every day and it's so easy to go down those rabbit holes and complain about our daily journeys, our daily struggles, all these things. And then, you know, all of a sudden you become exposed to people that have true tragedy and, and you know, really game changing, life changing situations that happen to them and it puts it back in perspective right i mean how i is... think that's mm -hmm. that's probably you, you you hit the nail on the head there jeremy that word is probably the greatest gift that we receive when, yeah. I, when I said this is selfish we get perspective yes. when i think i can't handle anything or geez i'm worried about my bills being paid or you know some you know just innocuous uh little problem that i have uh it gives us perspective oh, 100%. We, we one of the project we, we we i don't know if we talked about this on air but we talked we, we went to pine ridge south dakota 
Right. And we built on an Indian reservation. Now, Pine Ridge is the poorest county in the United States of America. Is that it's right? we wow. in some and then some third world countries. It's really, really very sad. Mm. And we you talk about perspective and trust. I mean, we went there and as the white man to promise to deliver a playground and they looked at us at first like, OK, here's, another, you know, they, they have every right to to not be trustful sure. of the way they, that we, they have been treated over sure. the years. But to to put a playground in and put it near Wounded Knee and do it on the day where we're honoring our brothers and sisters from from uh, 9-11. Yeah, uh, it was so powerful. You know, talk about a gift to ourselves. Yeah. And they, you know, it, it was a, you know, a wonderful experience. And you come away with that and you think, you know, there's a snowstorm. And, geez, I wonder how those folks in South Dakota make it out. And there's things that have spun off from that. People have done coat drives for them. Um, you know, we, we went to Africa to build a playground. And we're able to bring a young man who's a, a Rwandan genocide survivor. And he is flourishing in Portland, Maine, you know, because of the generosity of some Boston firefighters and their families. Wow. And it's just on and on and on. You know, I could, it, it, it could spin off, but one good deed begets another. And you oh, watch yeah. people be inspired. We're inspired by the families. There may be somebody on the other end of this radio who will hear that and say, hey, maybe I could do something that's going to make a difference. And I'll tell you, it feels uh, a ton better than sitting around watching cable news and, and, and being angry at the world. You know, I, I just literally had this conversation last night with a buddy of mine. This is one of those friends I don't see for a couple months, and then all of a sudden we see each other and we pick right up and, and so on. And he's one of my favorite people. And we had an incredible conversation last night, and I said, you know, we were, we were talking about National Fire Radio. We were talking about his career. And I said, man, you know, I have really changed over the last few years because I have incredible perspective now about the world in, in the world of firefighting, right? Because I talk to people all over the country. And when you grow up in a certain slice, you get so accustomed to that way of things. You're not you, you become closed minded as to what else is out there. And with me now, I have this unbelievable ability to see what's happening out there. And I have become a much better person for it. And it translates into my every day. I mean, I, every time I get gas now, I literally give two, three bucks to the guy pumping my gas. It's New Jersey. We have somebody pumps our gas. We don't pump our own in New Jersey, but I always give the guy a tip and I go, Hey man, get a cup of coffee or something. I it's two, three bucks, but you know what? I might need that, but I don't need it as bad as maybe that guy does. And I've gotten exactly. to the, I've gotten to that point. And I think, you know, if anybody could take anything away from the conversation that you and I are having, you know, you're doing something on a grand scale and it's so powerful because a great, you know, uh, a great give back like you're doing is paying it forward and the next guy's going to pay it forward. But man, just a simple hello, a handshake, a smile at somebody, a couple bucks when they're pumping your gas. Those little things go a very, very long way. And if anybody gets anything out of this conversation today, start there. You know, start yeah. there. Yeah, there's, there's no question. I mean, early on, there was a group that did like 26 acts of kindness in honor of the 26 from Sandy Hook. And, yeah. You know, you know, just a, a simple idea like that. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been a blessing for us. It really has. Like I said, we we enjoy what we're doing. It's 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 changed us. You know, we uh we enjoy it. The families that we're able to advocate for, you know, they become our brothers and sisters, our sons and daughters, our yeah. family. You know, yeah. We know them by name. 
Well, I think what's really powerful too, not just for yourself and, and all the volunteers that help you along the way and the foundation, but even the families of the victims, right? When you talk about legacy, what you're able to do, right? I mean, I, legacy is so important to me, right? Like I always want to leave it better than I found it, regardless of what it is. And in my life, I hope when my life is is long over, people can look back and say, well, he made a, you know, he tried to make a difference. He did something. He, you know, he made an effort. You know, it wasn't just about him. It was about something bigger. Like that's legacy, right? What you're yeah. doing, yeah. you're providing the ability for these families, like you said, on that on that little boy's birthday, his father was able to go back to the playground and sit there and watch other kids enjoy something in memory of his son. Like, super powerful. But you and your foundation, where angels play, are building and leaving legacy for those families and the foundation, man. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we're, we're don't get me wrong. We all have egos, and I'm so proud of the – the, what they call themselves the angels army right the, the folks who build these things and where angels play and i i can't really take um too much credit for it because it, it it's kind of you know something that evolved and uh, sure. it, it, it's it's a you know it's a bless I, you know people will, will thank us and i get like oh gee, well hey we're blessed to do it and uh Here's the thing. You mentioned this legacies, right? So what do you want to be known for at, That's right. at the end of the day when you're gone? Is it, you know, hey, uh, you negotiated a contract or you got the 24-hour shift or, you know, he, you know what, he was a laborer. What, what do you want to be known for? Yeah. And I think just to try to, you know, bring a little bit recovery, hope, and joy to, to folks who needed it the most and that hopefully – 50 100 years after we're gone there's there's still i listen the other thing too is we hope we go out of business you know i hope that these tragic things where we lose children and we never want to build another playground for a child that uh has left us too soon and you know occasionally i'll get you know somebody will make a flip remark when there's a tragedy in, in tennessee and somebody will say, oh i guess you're not done building playgrounds and i don't want anybody to think that hey you know we're slapping a playground on a on a on a horrific uh yeah no, tragedy that. and that right. makes everything all 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 better in fact one of the one of the moms said to me i thought this was pretty profound she said uh you know there's really because we would i would worry about what i said and if i was going to upset them and you know how we would go she said you know listen the worst possible thing has already happened to us you, you, you can't you're not going to make that any worse she said and to be honest with you, I don't know that building a playground is going to is going to help in any way. She said, but the fact that there are complete strangers who will try the impossible to make things better, she says, that's the fact that you'll try to do the impossible and your complete strangers makes makes me get up in the morning and and believe that there's more good than evil in the world. Well, you and said that, it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That that's you know. What 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 better what better thing could could they say to you than that? That we're the reason that in some cases they 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 can continue to believe that there's still good people out there, yeah. complete strangers that yeah, help. And, and I, I think there's more good than than bad in people if they just. Uh, one one mom told me, and I love this quote. She says, "There's only two kinds of people in the world. There's good people and good people in training." Because sometimes they just haven't reached it yet. I love and that. I thought, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, let's let's break it down a little bit then, right? The psychology of it all, because a lot of times people that are affected by 
a tragedy like this, their, their inner circle tends to walk away from them, right? They, yeah. they, lose, yeah. they lose friendships because people don't know how to have the hard conversations or they're afraid. Like you said, I'm afraid every, I watch every word that I say in the beginning because I was worried about how it's perceived and if I say something wrong and all these things. And a lot of people, the, the regular public, don't, they don't know how to deal with tragedy. Not that we do, not that firefighters or first responders do, but we deal with it a lot more. And so we kind of have this second sense about it, if you will, where we're, we're kind of just a little more comfortable in a situation like that because we deal with it more regularly than the average citizen. And when a family suffers tragedy like that, a lot of their base around them kind of fades away a little bit because they're afraid or they don't know how to have those conversations or they withdraw from it. And when, when you come in with your group, you guys, like firefighters, and we talked about this, you guys run towards the tragedy. We run in, we charge in, and we're not afraid of those difficult decisions and we're not afraid to talk with the victims and, and the families that are suffering. And then we do everything we can to try to make it better. Yeah, I, I think that... Um you know, that has a lot of merit, you know, and I'm not a, you know, the psychology of it, but I did have a family uh, say to me that, you know, they either, you know, a close friend had a child that was of the same age of the, of the little boy that had, had, they had lost and it became uncomfortable to have that little guy be around yeah. uncomfortable for them. So over time they saw them less and less and eventually you know, they said, Hey, listen, uh, you know, my Rolodex has changed. My, my, my friends in some cases in family members where it became awkward and yes. they just didn't know what to say. So they said nothing and stayed away. And then she, they kind of a- answered their own question. They said, well, you know, and you guys, you reach out, you know, you, you come to us and address this and take it on as sad and as difficult as it might be. And they said, well, maybe that's because you guys are always running towards the problem. And yeah. You're, you know, that you, you're, you know, you're kind of built that way. And I, I don't know that that is, is what it is, but it, it kind of made a little bit of sense that uh, not, not that we enjoy being around uh, tragic circumstances, but many of us are trained critical incident stress debriefers and no, you know, we don't know the right thing to say, but sometimes the right thing to say is nothing at all, but just to be able to be there. That's right and kind of navigate through the, uh, the difficult times. And, and, uh, you know, these are, when I give a presentation or I make a talk about where angels play and what we do, you know, I, it's born out of tragedy. We talk about nine 11 and we talk about hurricane Katrina and hurricane Sandy and the elementary school shooting and people, this, this is tragic, but if they stick around for, the, the, the triumph and the fact that, hey, these, these folks are still here and they're still, you know, they're making a difference. In, there are kids across the country, across the world, that are learning how to cope, how to choose love, because one of the moms, Scarlett Lewis, has chosen to, you know, honor her son and, and, and to try to break the cycle of, of violence and yeah. Uh, there's a there's a I have a there's a widow who lost her husband to uh, her her husband was a police officer. We're going to be building his playground in Stanley, Virginia, and they she is tutoring uh, juvenile uh, uh, incarcerated young men 
to get their GED so she could break the cycle. So yeah. where does that strength come from? I mm. can only think it comes from their angel. It's you know? powerful, huh? It's so powerful, you know? Yeah. Wow. Resiliency. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what this is too, right? And, um, man, just a couple words we could throw at this conversation, and they're just so powerful and impactful. Talk to me a little bit. Last night, uh, we had to reschedule this podcast because we were supposed to chat yesterday, and then things got a little crazy, and so we rescheduled. Last night, you couldn't do it because you had a ribbon cutting. Talk to me about the ribbon cutting ceremonies. When, when the construction is done, the planning, the conversations, the construction, and then boom, it's done. And now it's like the ribbon cutting where you can hear the laughter and the kids just charge onto the playground. I mean, talk to me about that. Yeah, that, that's the moment, you know, where it all comes together. And, you know, we have one guy say, you know, listen, it's not a playground until kids are playing on it. Yeah, and, I love you know, that. You, there's, um, you know, so there obviously there's a lot of thank yous to be made and uh, speeches and, and uh, you know, get the family to express, you know, their, and through, through many tears and music that is associated with, um, you know, the young child. And it really, you know, it, it, it's special. And, and listen, not every, you know, to talk about spirituality not everybody believes in angels and i get it but we joke that hey there's enough of us to believe enough for the rest of us but we were expecting like a hundred percent chance of rain and almost in every every situation the, the the clouds part love it and we had a beautiful night and you know we say well the little angel gave us our uh, our weather to go forward and just to watch the community come together celebrate kids like you know i don't know that i've ever seen a kid on a playground in a bad mood you know they're they're, they're joyful they're happy and it's just it gives you know it's kind of the culmination all the hard work all the planning all the fundraising uh comes together and it's just so it, it's so worthwhile and let me say this the the emergency responder community right so um whether whether I would say the fire service in general, pretty much everybody still loves the firefighters, right? We, with the police officers and the, and and they're I, the police may have the toughest job in America today, right? So, but to bring those first responders and have them just get away from their, you know, run into tragedy after tragedy and being there and just you know maybe they're not. You know, they're struggling with a promotional or the you know, politics of the job. And they get to come together at a, at a job, at a playground build like this. It's, it's therapeutic, you know, it's cathartic for, for our people. And, you know, by and large, you know this, you talk to them every day, probably far more uh, firefighters than I do across the country. But they're cut out of a, the same cloth. They, they're, they take the job because they want to make a difference. They want to you know, be there and serve the community, you know, in a very prideful way. And this is a, this is an offshoot of that. This is how guys, I don't know what I would be doing as a retired firefighter. You know, a lot of guys retire and then they take another uh, 40 hour a week job and, you know, uh, and then, you know, try to, you know, fade, fade into a different thing. But here's, this was a, a natural, um, segue for me to go from doing you know fire fighting fire union work and then to be able to work with the 
most graceful, beautiful families who are suffering and who, who need a break it, it has been the blessing of my life. So, um, that's powerful. Well, brother. It's very, yeah, what, very what, what else can you say? I hope, I hope the guys and girls that listen to you and listen to this will find, I, I wish for them that they could find something, um, you know, so, so rewarding. And it, and it really is, it's not about, you know, filling your bank account. It, it, well, that's it's it. about making yeah. a difference. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, I can't stress that enough that if, you know, you don't have something in your life that is giving you any type of fulfillment. I, I, the only way you can be good in life is if you're fulfilled, you have to have something that is pushing you to want to be better or be better. And, you know, and, in organizations, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a, a powerful foundation, like where angels play. It can be very simple things, but you need to have fulfillment and find that in your life because it's the only way you're going to be able to move forward and feel good about yourself is if you have fulfillment. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. you know, I was asking about the ribbon cutting and I can, I can only imagine the <clears throat> tremendous, you know, underlying of sadness, but the overlying, cheer and joy that is occurring at those events right and i the rushing of children onto the playground when the ribbons cut and the the there's always that sound when you go to a park or a playground and it's like this just this underlying sound of children just lots of kids laughing crying playing you know talking and i just i love that and it's 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 very infectious It, it makes any adult themselves when they're on a playground feels like a kid also Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, it's, it's we say that all the time. We become kids. We yeah. become, you know, tears of joy, but we all become crybabies and, yeah. and all become kids. And it, it's it's watching, you know, that, that sheer joy. I, I got a chance to watch my grandkids run on it. Oh, that's and cool. that was, that's you know, cool. that that's a, an extra special thing. Yeah. But um, and, and to, to have. You know, the idea is not from us. It's, you know, we talked a lot about where angels play doing this, but the gift is really from the angel and themselves and from the family. And it's about the families who refuse to have their little ones forgotten yes. or could be a policeman or a fireman that we build on occasion for. But it's a family who refuses to, to, to have the legacy of their loved one be forgotten. And, uh, like you said, a number of times, it's a, it's a powerful uh, thing. And listen, we're an ever aging workforce. I'm going to be 65 in a couple of days, and we need some young guys. So if there's folks who who want to follow us around the country and come and and you know know how to use a screw gun and can lift a wheelbarrow, uh, we 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 love to have you. And it's an ever growing workforce. And these are folks like uh, I'll tell you what the other thing that people are probably thinking, oh well you know what you know what's the cost or what are they making we I have one employee and that's my daughter she runs everything everybody else is volunteer this the the folks that went out to South Dakota seventy two of them you know they're on their own dime uh, on you know traveled spent a week in a hotel on their own dime and worked in 105 degree heat to build a playground for our brother and sister native americans who they never met and you think what i asked them i said you guys could have went to cancun you could have went to europe you could have taken a vacation and they said yeah but we could we wouldn't have got this we wouldn't have got this feeling and it's it's wild you know to, to think that there's people who are that selfless and then they'll tell you like me well 
it's kind of selfish because, you know, I have the best time and I'm with, the, you know, the incredible people. So, the you know, the folks need to know there's there's not me, but there's some really wonderful people out there who do doing ah, great brother, things. Brother, don't sell yourself short. You're certainly you know? one of them. And, you know, you're building. Well, you're I'm building, only training. Well, you're building <laughs> playgrounds for angels, but you guys are angels, too. You know, and what and what you do and what you've been able to do for a lot of families and victims of violence or circumstance, you certainly, um, you know, your foundation, the volunteers, yourself, your family, you guys give so much to that. And uh, and that needs to be recognized, Bill. And it's it certainly through this conversation today with you, like you said, the word powerful Then this whole conversation has been super powerful. And I think that the, the message, if anything, today is to get out and find something greater than you and get involved. And, um, yeah, and I that, think that it. that something matters. Big, yep, something that, that you hit the nail on the head. It's something bigger than yourself. Yeah. It doesn't have to be playgrounds, but just, yep. hey, you're feeling bad about the news you just you just heard. Uh, you know, let Do me go something. Let me go help the guy next door or somebody who needs who needs a hand or, or uh, I love it. you know, like you say, it gives you perspective. So I enjoyed speaking with you and yeah. uh, getting our message out. Um, like 100%. I said, I, I try not. We're very careful about. You won't see us on on advertising or on a billboard or anything right. like that because our focus is so specific. You know, the, the, the fine line between exploiting a tragedy and celebrating the life, the life. It's, it's and we have, you know, it's very grassroots. It's yeah. not. We don't use government money. It's it's folks that. You know, help us fundraise a couple of great corporations. I, I don't know if I can mention them on this or not. But yeah, go ahead. Talk, if you got, if you got people you, you want to recognize, if, please. If, 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 and they, you see them, Jersey Mike's, who, you know, they raise on the day of giving like $22 million across the way for all sorts of charities. And they're, I'm proud of the name Jersey when associated with them. They're phenomenal. Uh, Home Depot, you know, folks, you know, they've been so great to us um you know um, old castle helps us with cement you know we've just had some really wonderful groups so you know if anybody gets a chance to either you know you know patronize those those folks then i'm telling you they are uh, wonderful corporations and, and and help us change the world you know so well, I love it because it can't be done alone. You're going to need partners along the yeah, way. There's, there's the financial piece of it. People Absolutely. are probably wondering, where do, you, where do you get the money from? But, again, getting back to the police, the first responders, the police and firefighters, the PBAs and the FMBAs and the internationals of the world are out there doing 5K races or, you know, uh, pub nights and raising funds for their the, the local, you know, uh, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm proud of, of, you know, what, the, you know, our first responders are doing across the country in their, in their work, uh, you know, at the firehouse and at the police station, but they do so much beyond that, that, that people, you know, really don't uh, necessarily understand, you know, where in some, in some, when, when the economy turns bad, you know, all of a sudden we're overhead, you know, but these guys, these are, these are your coaches, you know, the, these are your your counselors, your teachers, your yeah. volunteers at the Little League, and um, you know, you, yeah, you know, yeah, we're, we're, well, proud, we're proud of our our, our, <clears throat> our uh, profession, and I think there's a reason why you know most people really, um, you know wave with all five fingers when they see the fire truck. Go I love, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
Well, I will say this. Um, today was fantastic because I didn't know much about the foundation until today. Um, and in fact, I didn't, I didn't know about the foundation until it was introduced to me last week uh, by, our, by a mutual friend and then meeting you today and hearing what this is all about. And I am certainly um, you know, involved in different charities, and I would love to see what we can do to help you guys along the way. And in, the, in that regard, where can people reach out financially if they're looking to donate, um, if they're looking, if they have uh, maybe a special set of skills or something they can offer? How do they reach out to you, Bill? Yeah, we have a website. It's where angelsplayfoundation.org. They go on and uh, they'll be able to see uh, there's a way to, to uh, comment and to get a hold of us. There's a book that I wrote with my son where, where angels live, work, and play if they wanted more information on oh, that. Great. Cool. It, it really chronicles the, the beginning of our uh, journey. And um, so wow. and we, and we love to share it. And, and again, I hope we get to, to the point where we're building playgrounds just to replace older ones and not necessarily for, uh, you know, a tragic, a tragic circumstance. Let, let's build them for 95 year old folks who've lived full, yeah. rich, healthy lives. And I guess the, the, the final thing I would say, mm -hmm. and people, you know, it's not the amount of years that you're on this earth. There, there's a 15 month old boy that we just celebrated and he may, and the children of Sandy Hook and all the other little angels who've only lived a short time on this earth, they may impact more folks through the, the advocacy of their moms and dads and their their gracefulness they might impact more people than had they lived to be a hundred years old and that's that's a beautiful thing yes it is yeah. so those of us who have lived beyond and you know i think it's our our responsibility and obligation to to maybe try to to make things a little bit better for folks you know and, and again i well said uh, yeah, well said. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have had this conversation with you. I love the work that you do for Thank the you. fire service in general. And um, listen, man, it's we'll, um, we'll follow up with you at some point down the road. Yeah, for sure. And I would love to see what we could do if you got a, a local project or something that maybe we can get a uh, you know to be a part of or something. So I'd love to talk to you off the air about all of that. But I, I think there's um, there's a lot that we can we can help with and. Uh, Man, what a what a great and powerful conversation today. Bill Lavin, thank you, brother, for joining me today. Truly appreciate you and your story and, and the time and, and the focus that you put into Where Angels Play Foundation. Very powerful, brother. Thank you for being with yeah, me today. No, thanks for having us. I know it's a little bit different spin than, you know, the normal. No, uh, this is this truck, is perfect. Truck and engine work. Nah, but, um, this is perfect. You know, hopefully, um, you know, folks will will get a kick out of hearing it and, and Without you know, maybe we'll make difference in somebody's life but thank you for what you do appreciate no problem it. stay right here bill i'm gonna sign off the podcast i'll come right back to you okay very good great everyone thank you for tuning in for another episode of the national fire radio podcast where angels play foundation.org what a powerful conversation today with my guest bill lavin retired fire captain out of elizabeth new jersey who is now running the Where Angels Play Foundation. Check them out. See what they're all about. They are making a difference, providing support for families of tragedies across the country and actually across the globe. So they're making a difference. Get involved. Get out in your communities and make a difference because it does matter. Take this conversation. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire League.